Are you tired of hearing about mental health from a superficial view and want to hear about realistic views? Well, you've come to the right place. A space where healing is central, but also normalized. Join hosts Danika and Myra as we engage in topics around mental health and keep it real while also giving you the work. Welcome to Black Women Healing Podcast. Hey y'all, so we have a very special guest today, but as usual, before we hop in, I want us to engage in a random conversation. So, Donika, if you could think of a food that you did not think you would enjoy, that you've tried and you actually do enjoy, what is that food? <laughs> Your face. Because uh, <laughs> I, you know, I always tell people I try something, anything at least once. Mm-hmm. Um, probably probably alligator yeah when I was in New Orleans you know anything you eat in New Orleans seems to be good so I had alligator I had it fried and I had it I think like sauteed or baked or something and both ways were good and I you know you'd be like ah I'm scared I don't know the texture but Mm -hmm. no I like it (laughs) yeah what about you because I know you you know you travel you explore so what about you yeah, I love alligator. I've tried escargot, and at first I was like, I don't think I'm gonna like this, but I just closed my eyes and ate it, and it was really good. I was really shocked, so I would eat that again and again and again. It was really good. Dr. Angela, what about you? Oh, goodness, goodness. My my grandfather used to make something called fish eye stew. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, and, and since I was a kid, <laughs> but uh, you know, whenever in terms of alligator and those kinds of things, we don't have that uh, uh, around here. And when they when we do, it sells out very quickly. Um, but uh, gosh, I, I don't know that I've eaten anything that's. I, I don't know that I that if there is isn't anything that I haven't at least tried, at, at least tried. <laughs> Today's guest is Angela Neal Barnett, PhD, who is a professor of psychological services at Kent State University, where she directs the program for research on anxiety disorders among African Americans. She is the first Black woman promoted to full professor in the College of Arts and Sciences. Dr. Angela also serves as VP of Healthy Corporations, Companies, and Communities for A3B LLC. Dr. Angela's research focuses on the anxiety of the only, the acting, white accusation and culturally competent anxiety and trauma interventions for Black women across the lifespan. Her work appears in high-impact academic journals, including the Harvard Business Review, and she is frequently quoted in the national media. Self and Essence magazine named her book, Soothe Your Nerves, The Black Woman's Guide to Understanding and Overcoming Anxiety, Panic, and Fear, as a book to help during these turbulent times. Be sure to follow her on Twitter at Dr. Angela or LinkedIn. Dr. Angela Neal Barnett. So I'm super excited to have Dr. Angela today. As I read from her bio, she's amazing. And, you know, when I was like in the third or fourth grade, my mom bought her book. So it's always been around my house. So I was like randomly trying to find books for my clients. And I was like, wait, my mom, and she's never read the book. She's always had it. And I've always been like, what is that book about? So when I saw on Amazon, I was Googling books for my clients. I was like, let me buy this. And it's crazy because she has to read this book because so many of the experiences that the women have in the book are the way my mom talks about her life. 
So now I'm like, <laughs> when I see her again, I'm gonna be like, mom, remember you had this book? I actually met this lady and we talked about it. So you need to go ahead and read it. So I'm really thankful that I was exposed to your book, even though it was just me seeing it at a young age, because now things have come full circle where I'm reading it now and it's applicable to the people that I know. So I'm gonna thank you for your work first off. Okay. And in your book, you know, you share about various women that you came across. And I love mm -hmm. how you have all these different stories. So I'm curious about your thoughts on why you felt like it was important to go about your writing in that way, to share these different stories of these different women. So first of all, I want to say that how excited I am uh, about the generational passing down of souvenirs, mm -hmm. uh, because that's one of the reasons that, that, I, that I wrote it. And I included all these different types of women and many who I had known uh, growing up or many who, some who had been uh, people that, I, that I, I worked with because one of the things that we continually heard uh, it, and we still hear in the research uh, to some extent is that black women get this, uh, that many black women think that anxiety is a white women's disease. And um, so I wanted to really show that black one, black women get this. And that two, that black women who get this aren't crazy, they're just anxious. And so there's a variety of women from my Aunt Pooh, who people always ask me, me about, uh, to, uh, profession, to professional uh, women, to, uh, to, to students. I mean, anxiety runs the gamut across the lifespan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I think it's super important how you're bringing up the fact that um, like it being like this, you know, thought of this white woman's disorder. Um, and it just reminds me of like growing up, like I've never heard the word anxiety ever out of anybody's mouth in my family. It's like, you never hear people. I've never heard people say like, oh, I'm anxious. Yeah. Uh, you just, that, that, that terminology just was just not there. Right. Right. Just not there. You, at best, you, at best your nerves are bad. Right. That's, that's actually, that is exactly what you hear. Um, <laughs> me being from Kentucky, that's actually what you hear a lot. That's the one, my, you're making my nerves bad. That's what you hear. <laughs> so that that is true. Um, but just going into like, you know, us understanding even more, can you define for us a panic attack versus an anxiety attack? Could you hear about those a lot interchangeably? Uh, but yeah. we want to make sure we talk about it. Well, you know, um, for a long time, when people say an anxiety attack, I would say, well, you can't have an anxiety attack. You're having a panic, you're, you know, you're having a panic uh, attack. And it's panic attacks that are the diagnoses. So the term anxiety attack is not a, a diagnosis. However, what we are seeing, uh, particularly in the last couple of years, are people having anxiety attacks as well as panic attacks. So let's talk about panic first and then we'll talk about anxiety. Uh, so panic attacks uh, come in, in three ways. All of a sudden, out of the blue, for no reason at all, you just get really, really scared. Okay, so there's fear. And what happens then is that uh, 
you know, you might go from cold to hot, hot to cold. Uh, you might start shaking and trembling. Uh, your arms or your legs might feel numb. You feel like you're going crazy. You feel like you're going to die. Your heart sounds, it feels like it's going to come out of your, uh, out of your chest. Okay. Mm -hmm. So fear is the emotion out of the blue uh, that comes with panic attacks. So that's the first way you have a panic attack. The second way you have a panic attack is uh, in the presence of something that you're afraid of. So you might have somebody who's afraid of heights or afraid of bridges, and they get to the bridge and they have this panic attack, okay? And the same symptoms, but it's fear. The third way, and this is particularly true for Black folks, is something called isolated sleep paralysis. That's the big psychological term because psychologists like big words. Uh, but what you may have heard it, particularly if you have relatives who were raised in the South, you may hear them call it witch riding or that a hank got a hold of me last night. Mm. And so with these isolated sleep paralysis type of panic attacks, just as you're falling asleep or just as you're waking up, you feel as if you can't move. And then you start you know, having these, these, these seeing things and all of a sudden you get really scared. And of course, all the symptoms that we talked about. What's important to understand is that for black Americans, isolated sleep paralysis tends to be recurrent. So the term is isolated, so it means it happens once. But for Black folks, it tends to happen over and over again. Mm. And what we also know is that most panic attacks occur at night. So you've got this form of panic uh, that is um, recurring in, in Black men, Black women. So out of the blue, in the presence of something that you are afraid of, and then uh, witch riding. Okay, so that's panic. Okay, anxiety attacks. Okay, involve some something a little bit different. Okay, anxiety is this perception of a future threat. You just know something's going to happen. You don't know when and you don't know where, but you know it's going to happen. And so what you get with people who have anxiety attacks is they are worried, okay? They think something's gonna happen. There's this worry that goes along with it. And they worry themselves so much that they start to have the physical symptoms of a panic attack. So it's the anxiety and the panic occurring together. So that's, that's, that's the difference between a panic attack and an anxiety attack. Thank you so much, Dr. Angela. The way you just explained that is so like understandable, like Thank it you. makes so much sense. And I think that a lot of people, including myself, just listening to you, um, this is me as a, you know, a licensed marriage and family therapist. That's a great way to explain it, though, because it, it is it can be very confusing. People will be like, you know, I'm having an anxiety attack or 
you know, or I'm having a panic attack, but really, right, it's not a panic attack. Um, yeah. Because it doesn't last all day if it's a panic attack, right? Because I think that's what people get confused of. Um, so thank you for breaking that down. Um, also, just anxiety in general, we talk about it in a lot of different ways. So, you know, when people say they're anxious, I always say, what does that mean for you, right? right. Um, and so in your, um, in your life, right, have you noticed common symptoms or behaviors that Black women typically report as their anxiety? If that, does that make sense? It does make sense. It, it, it makes a great deal of sense. So let me start by, uh, by saying probably the most common form of anxiety that we hear uh, about in our work is social anxiety. And the social anxiety is what must other people think? Uh, and so people, people with social anxiety have this fear of negative evaluation, but they're also gonna have a fear of being evaluated positively. So why is this a, why is social anxiety so common uh, among black women? Well, a couple of reasons. One, okay, oftentimes black women are an only. They are the only one in their department. They're the only one in their graduate school program. Uh, they're the only one who works at this location in their building or at this location of wherever, uh, wherever they, they work. And so when you are an only, there's a, there's a spotlight on you. And to some extent, people are evaluating, uh, are evaluating you. And what happens for many Black women is at first they're doing really well. And then they go from office pet to office threat. And that cre creates this social anxiety. Anxiety. I have to be twice as good to go half as far. And so they're in the state of highest alert, trying to be perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, no one is perfect. Uh, and that, uh, and so that can create uh, social anxiety, that can trigger social anxiety. Uh, the other thing that we have found, and we've done, uh, we have people in Prada, which is my research lab, which stands for Program for Research on Anxiety Disorders Among African Americans, who are doing this research. And they find that this accusation that one is not black enough or that one is acting white is also a trigger for social anxiety. And the reason that it's a trigger is because the acting white accusation is, is an attack against the core of who one is. So it's a, an attack against one's racial identity. And that you don't even, again, uh, you don't find black women who want to be white women, okay? It's just how they define what it means to be black is different than uh, people who they who might be around them. So it's like there's this continuum of, 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 of what it means to be black. And again, your definition may not match my definition, but that doesn't mean that I'm acting white. Uh, so that's another trigger for social anxiety 
in black women. So what we see a high, a high incidence of is social anxiety in black women. Uh, fears, phobias tend to be high in, in black women. And with those phobias, again, come these panic attacks. Thank you for breaking that down for us. I feel like I'm taking it so much. I know you guys, you guys are listening. I know, I know you're listening. So it, it, it's, it's okay that you don't have anything to ask because what I see is that you're listening intently and I can see the wheels turning because you're thinking about your own clients or people in your own life. And, and you're thinking, wow, she just described client X or Oh my God! She just she just described aunt so and so, so or cousin somebody. Yeah, you're making me think about my own experience in, at my job because my job mysteriously found out like about this podcast, and then they learned about other stuff that I do. And I remember them like asking me like, "Why didn't you tell us?" And I was like, "Uh, I don't want the spotlight on me." But then now I don't. It's like this weird. I don't know if I want to tell you that much because I don't know how you're going to look at me. Like, it's just, I don't know. So I've been like battling, like, how do I manage that? Because I don't really want to say it, but then I feel like I should. I don't know. So it's just making me like reflect on like my own life of how does it show up for me in settings? So I'm thinking about even like team meetings where I don't say anything because I'm like, uh, I don't want you all like to be looking at me. So instead, like my heart's like racing, like, please don't call on me to say anything. <laughs> No, it, you are not alone. Uh, first of all, that's the first thing I want to say. You are not alone. Uh, Black women across the country are, are reporting this, are experiencing this. And again, we, you know, we've been in a dual pandemic world. So the fact that you and MSN Danica are doing this uh, podcast together and it's about empowering black women and you know and, and and people you know how do people hear the word empower are you are you inciting black women to to, to write i mean those kinds of things and then you have the x in the title so you know um well you know and so people were thinking so what does this x mean and you know what are, again what we have to understand is that as black women, we are always going to be too much for somebody. And the fact is as black women who, particularly if we are operating in a white world, people are always going to talk about us. Mm -hmm. So we have to be able to um, internalize and say two little words. So what? Mm -hmm. And if we can say that, so what? And we can answer that question and we can ask ourselves, so what again? What we eventually get to is what is the core of our anxiety? What is it that we really think is going to happen? And that we can work with. Mm. So what? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to think about that more. You know, in your book, towards the end, you talk about these um, soothe your nerve sister circles. Mm -hmm. I 
was really drawn to that. I'm like, do people, do, can I take this and create this? Like, I, I, I want to learn more about it. And I feel like it's important to share with our audience a little bit about it. If you can tell sure. them a little bit about like sure. what it is and how they can maybe find one or start one. Can you do that for us? Yeah, absolutely. We have, uh, we've actually uh, done a great deal of, of research on the uh, Souvenir Sister Circles, and we now call them SOS, Sister Circles. Uh, and we have run them, we have developed them across the lifespan, and we've done research on them across the lifespan. So we know that, that, that they work. Uh, you know, people, uh, you know, um, Lots of black women. So, so what happens is that lots of black women, um, and it's changing. So don't want to go to therapy. They don't want to go to a therapist, okay, or they don't trust a therapist. And that's changing somewhat because there's all sorts of people who are demystifying therapy for us. But there's still this group. There's still a large group who do not want to see a therapist. And so in the SOS sister circles, we train uh, people to lead the sister circle. So similar to what you guys were doing uh, on, on the campus, you have that, that circle in the class. So we train women in um, corporations. We train doulas uh, to lead them for pregnant women. Uh, we train, um, we train sorority sisters to lead them for their sorority. So there's this training that we give them to lead a five session SOS circle. And each session uh, is uh, manualized. So there's particular things that one is doing in each session. And some of those are in the book and some of those we have expanded. Um, and by the end of the circle, by the fifth session, everyone has, uh, has developed a tool to deal, to cope with anxiety, to manage their anxiety, and people actually see their anxiety lowering. And when I say everyone, I'm, I'm including the facilitators. Running the SOS sister circle, changes the facilitators for the better. And what happens after that is some people continue the circle, they continue meeting. And other people say, you know what? From this circle, I know that I can benefit from therapy. Mm -hmm. so, what so then we get people who we then refer to therapists because now they are ready, because they understand how therapy works. They understand, and the gold standard for treating anxiety is cognitive behavioral therapy. They understand how cognitive behavioral therapy works and they see how it can uh, improve their lives. Wow, I'm so inspired by the work that you're doing behind this. Because when I was reading about it in the book, I, I had to read it twice. I was like, what? I have never heard of this. This needs to be everywhere. Is there a, like a website that people can go on to find sure. more? You can, you, can, you can contact us via our Kent State website. So if you just go on, I am a member of the Kent State Department of Psychological Sciences. You click on my face, it'll take you to the, to the website and there'll be all sorts of information about SOS.
Okay, nice. I'll share the link with y'all um, in our description so y'all be able to find it. Okay. You know, as we're talking about this shift for mental health and a lot of people seeking it out more, um, more Black women have sought out therapists who look like them, but for those who still may be struggling to seek out help, like we're kind of talking about, what is something you might say to them, whether it be a word of advice, whether just your thoughts about that? What is something you might say to those who are still a little reluctant? Advice for people who are struggling with anxiety or advice for people just about going to therapy? I want to say a mix of both. Maybe for a woman who is struggling with anxiety, but is kind of weary about going to therapy and they may okay. be weary about the sister circle too, okay. what might you say? Okay, so the first thing I would say is anxiety is treatable. You can reclaim your life. Yeah. Uh, what we find over and over again is that people didn't know what they were that what they were experiencing had a name. They didn't know it was called social anxiety. They didn't know it was called panic attacks. They didn't know that it was phobias. Mm -hmm. uh, so just so, but it has a name. It is treatable, and you are not alone. When you are experiencing an anxiety disorder, particularly as black women, you think you are the only one. And I'm sure you've had numerous guests on talking about the strong black woman image. And so to be this strong black woman, here's how you have to do it. You can't admit that you don't have it together. Uh, but anxiety makes you not have, not have it together. So that's the first thing, it's treatable. Uh, and you can reclaim your life. Second, okay, when, if you are looking for a therapist, you should treat finding a therapist the same way you treat finding a hairdresser, okay? That's what I tell people. Ooh. So, okay, now I used to live in, in, in Chicago and there was a, a, a salon that opened up in the bottom of my building. So I thought, oh, you know, salon, and I just right, go right down. I went down, I looked around, and I said, can you do black hair? And I said, oh, well, we can do black hair. So I said, great, okay? They could not do black hair. Okay? <laughs> they could not do black hair. There was nobody black in the shop. You know, they were like, oh, we can do all kinds of hair. I came out, this was like the mid 80s. So I came out looking like I was a uh, uh, crystal on dynasty. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's the way you need to treat. This is the way you need to, to, to treat it. You need to ask the questions that you would ask when you were looking for a hairdresser. Can you do black hair? You know, can you do natural? Do you do braids? Do you do locks? Do you do relaxers? What do you do? How many black heads have you done this month? So we need to approach it like that. Most many people, many of us would love to have a black therapist, but fact is there aren't enough of us to go around. I mean, I have to believe your caseloads are full and there's a waiting list. Mm -hmm. um, so what you want is a culturally competent therapist. And whether they be black or culturally competent, these are the questions that you have. And if their chairs are empty, there's a reason their chairs are empty and you should run the other way, uh, right? 
Okay, I mean, that's how we have to approach it. The other thing we have to understand, okay, is that the first therapist you choose may not be a good fit for you. And that's okay. Okay, you know, you might, you might find, you know, somebody who can do black hair, but, uh, you know, they take five hours to do it and you only have two. So that's not a good fit. So if they're not a good fit, it's okay. You just, you can say, you know what? I appreciate what you're doing, but this isn't working. I think I need someone else. And you can even ask for a referral. Yeah. Okay. So you can do those types of things. And the third thing I would say is money should never deter you mm -hmm. from finding a therapist. Okay. So if you are in a town or a city where there is a university, odds are that university has a department where they're training people to be therapists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they have a clinic. And so you can be seen at a clinic at a university, a training clinic at a university, because you just don't become a therapist by uh, reading a book, you have to actually practice. You have to go out there and, and work with clients. So you can be seen at a training clinic and a training clinic either has a sliding sale scale fee. So that means that the fee is based on your income or that they will see, they will see you for free. So money should not deter any black woman, regardless of your age, from being able to receive good state-of-the-art treatment for anxiety. I like that perspective of looking at it like a hairstylist. I've never heard that. I usually hear people say treat it like dating, but the hairstylist <laughs> one makes so much more sense. So I'm definitely still in that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I mean, how many times have you trained hairdressers? Because you, you know, because I mean, I mean, for a while they may be working and they get a little, you know, then something happens and then, you know, they're not as good as they were before and it's not working for you. Yeah. And so you, yeah, same question, but it's the same, it's basically the same set of questions. It's the same, same set of questions. Can you, can you work with me as a black woman? Do you understand anxiety from a Black perspective? Mm -hmm. okay. uh, and that's the thing I forgot to say, that anxiety, it not only does it manifest itself differently, as I talked about with the witch writing, but for Black women, anxiety is more intense. Okay, so the symptoms are more intense. And, it and we tend to have experienced the anxiety for longer periods of time. Thank you so much, Dr. Angela, for being a guest today. Um, I think that a lot of times, especially academia, we don't have Black women, Black folk in general doing this research. So the fact that you are actually doing the research and you're doing the work literally daily to like help us progress and really understand what's going on with us. Like it's never ever broken down like this to us. 
like you just said we don't we don't get to say um like this so what we don't get to say that a lot of times so thank you so much you you are are welcome Dr. Angela we want to wrap up and ask if you have any takeaways for our listeners um I think the takeaway would be there is no sin and there is no shame in being anxious. Hmm. The sin and the shame come when we know we are anxious and we try to hide it. And, you know, simply ask for help because you would be surprised as to how many people are willing to help you around anxiety and fear. Yes. Well, thank you, Dr. Angela, for joining us today. And I am beyond grateful that you joined us. Like I said, I remember when my mom bought this book when I was a kid, and now it's like coming full circle as an adult to be able to talk to you. I, I, again, please tell your mother hello for me. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I am honored that uh, not only full circle, but passing down to the next generation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Take care, ladies. You too. Thank you for your time. You're welcome. Bye-bye. I hope y'all enjoyed that episode. So July is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. And I'm really thankful that, you know, we had Dr. Angela on to particularly discuss Black women's experience with anxiety. You know, it shows up a lot. One thing that someone told me about a quick go-to if you are feeling anxious is to use what you got, which is your hands. So one hand over heart, one hand over your stomach and breathe in. So if I could give like a go-to like coping seal when struggling with anxiety, that has definitely been my go-to. Donnie, do you have anything you want to add? Um, yeah, I think that oftentimes when we do find like coping skills and things that work for us we get freaked out when they no longer work for us Mm -hmm. so I would say to be patient with yourself and know that you are a continuous growing person so sometimes it will change so you know maybe you know taking a walk work for you but it's been a year and all of a sudden you're noticing that it's not then you know you stop doing that and you try something else and it's okay it doesn't mean that nothing else is going to work it just means that you're growing and and you may need a new change and a skill yeah most um, definitely. yeah that most definitely is something I feel like that happens for me a lot I feel like my the things that I need to do to help with my anxiety it it changes um and it also depends on like what the anxiety is coming from right so sometimes the anxiety may be from like grief right and then sometimes it could be from literally just having a assignment or having something come up and so then the skills will be different of like what'll help me feel better but um I I think this whole episode and everything Dr. Angela is talking about just kind of like normalizing the black women experience anxiety like period like you get to talk about it you get to use the word anxiety you get to say this is what's happening to me. And the more we have these conversations, the more familiarized we come with it and we can continue helping each other. So yeah, I'm I, this, yeah, this one hit home, y'all. Yeah, most definitely. And in honor of Minority Mental Health Awareness Month, I want to challenge y'all to seek out support, whether it be, 
you know, in a group therapy setting, whether it be in an individual therapy setting, my bad, I'm tongue tied, whether it be with another person, but I really want to challenge y'all to do that. Um, And to wrap up, check out our book. We do have a bunch of different tools in there also. And we do have our mugs, which we invite you to use because tea is also a very helpful coping strategy or drinking water. So thank y'all for tuning to this week's episode of Black Women Healing Podcast.